WP Engine is a domain-specific cloud provider that hosts high-performance WordPress infrastructure. This website, Software Engineering Daily, runs on WP Engine. Scaling a domain-specific cloud provider for WordPress includes complexities at the level of the database, application load balancer, and other areas. Brandon Durrett is from WP Engine and joins the show to talk through his work. Brandon, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. You work on WP Engine, and this is what I would consider probably the the best WordPress hosting system, or at least up there. And I think people might have the perception that WordPress is easy to run. It's been around forever. Simple application front end with a database attached to it. But in fact, there are lots of complexities to making a scalable WordPress deployment system. Could you outline some of those complexities? What makes scaling WordPress hard? Yeah, you know, and I appreciate the compliment there about WP Engine. I I agree that I think we're one of the best. And we've put a lot of engineering effort into building our, our platform to be very scalable and very performant for customers of all sizes. When I think about sort of scaling applications in the cloud or modern application architectures, you know, I think about the 12-factor apps kind of approach that Heroku engineers put out years ago. And these are principles for application design around, you know, how you manage state, how you deal with deploying the software. And WordPress doesn't really follow those principles. Um, It sort of predates those principles. And so, for instance, there's in-app upgrades and you can install the plugins and themes from directly within the running app. And the consequence of that is that state about what the software that's running needs to be shared by any replica that you have of the application. And so we at WP Engine, as well as you know other platforms out there, no doubt, this is a core concern. It's sort of a trade-off between the flexibility that you give to you know, your end user in terms of, you know, do I want those features and the performance or the scalability of the site? And we at WP Engine tend to, to skew that choice in, in terms of giving builders flexibility in terms of how they build their site, how they manage their site within WordPress. We give them the flexibility and take on the burden ourselves of you know, ensuring that we can scale up and scale down, that we have a fast performant file system, that we have caching in front of it that ensures that most of the traffic doesn't actually require a, you know, PHP execution, which is the language that WordPress is built in. And of course, we also integrate with CDN partners to provide the static content as close to the, the end user as possible, as well as provide things like DDoS protection and other things that if you're going to do it yourself, these are all kind of concerns that you would have to have to worry about just to get the kind of scale that we have at WP Engine. What are the constraints of having an application that is purely built around PHP? Yeah, PHP has come a long way, I would say. Constraints-wise, the PHP runtime is... Execution is is single threaded, as opposed to something like a, a Node.js where um, it has sort of process switching and embedded in it. So you know you get a request for a PHP you know execution 
when the like a database query is being executed, the PHP code just waits and that process or thread can't go on to do other work while it waits for IO that's happening in the database. So you have sort of a, a more constrained memory usage because you have to you have to keep that process waiting for the IO. That's sort of the big difference between PHP runtimes and, and other uh, modern web stacks. Can you give me a sense of the deployment model for a given application? So like my website, Software Engineering Daily, runs on WP Engine. What is it being deployed in? Yes. So I didn't go look in our systems to see exactly where you're being deployed, but our platform has undergone an evolution. Likely you're on a more or less a LAMP stack. So we have MySQL, um, Apache with ModPHP, a Varnish cache in front of that to provide page caching. And then we front it with Nginx that allows you to have rules around redirects and rewrites, as well as uh, efficiently serve your media content that's stored on the disk. That's the core of our stack. And then, of course, a CDN in front of that. And so what are the the places where you can leverage the economies of scale, the fact that you're running tons and tons of WordPress rather than lots of you know ad hoc applications? Yes. So I think there's there's some things definitely in our caching configuration that applies across a variety of, of WordPress environments. Definitely most websites on our platform have very bursty traffic patterns. So very few websites are getting you know significant traffic all the time. And obviously, when you get up into the top 100, top 1,000 um, sites, you're getting constant traffic. But in the main, traffic is very bursty. And so our platform does is able to sort of share the resources across multiple different WordPress sites. And we have proprietary sort of technology to make sure that no site is monopolizing resources and that that traffic that, you know, when your site gets gets traffic, it's it's gonna get served efficiently so and and quickly. The part of the advantage of using WP Engine, and this is not like a sponsored uh, advocacy, but you have like a lot of tooling around failure modes. So, you know, if my database gets corrupted or if I do or if, you know, somebody logs on, hacks my site, detonates my site, you have a lot of backup infrastructure and you know wide range of other cron jobs and stuff that are running can you tell me more about the platform that surrounds the wordpress installations yeah so so that's absolutely right we have daily backups that run nightly in depending on which geo you're in because we want to make sure that that you always have that backup point at least one day 24 hours of course as a as a user you can you can definitely create additional backup points if you're going to make changes to your site or something like that. We also do, you know, we manage updates for WordPress. So we have systems that monitor for WordPress releases. And and when those releases are, you know, come out, we validate that those releases are good. Historically, we had one incident where 
a version of WordPress came out that was incompatible with our platform. So we don't want to ever inflict that on our on our users. It's one of the reasons why we recommend disabling the auto update feature in WordPress. So anyway, we validate that. We we will do upgrades. We'll ensure that they the upgraded site is working before we you know officially complete the upgrade. We also have a similar technology for doing plugin upgrades. We do some database maintenance kind of cron jobs on a daily basis. We do tracking of analytics and logging and present that to the users in our user portal. Lots of stuff like that. So we have cron jobs that run and do hourly kind of jobs and 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 daily jobs and then weekly jobs as well that are at, at various for various kind of maintenance purposes. Are you built entirely on AWS? No. In fact, we use both AWS and Google Cloud, as well as so the Flywheel platform, which is a part of WP Engine, also has some WordPress is running at Linode and also at DigitalOcean. So we're a multi-cloud operation. Is that for resiliency or are there services that you get out of Google Cloud that you don't get out of AWS? It's not specifically for resiliency. It's it's more a business decision not to tie ourselves to a specific cloud and to architect our systems in a way that makes it portable between clouds. Gotcha. What's the advantage of that cloud portability? I think in the past, we have had incidents with not the major clouds, but with hosting partners in, in sort of previous generations. And so in order to protect ourselves sort of in a, you know, a disaster recovery kind of situation, not sort of real-time resiliency, but in, in that kind of a situation, we would have portability across the different clouds. And from a business perspective, it's definitely an investment, a significant investment to build it that way. But it also provides us some, you know, it provides us some some leverage and some, I guess, flexibility for our customers. You know, some of our customers have requirements that they operate, you know, that their websites operate on certain clouds. We tend to not want to tie ourselves to a specific cloud where we don't have to. But if we have a customer where it's an absolute requirement, we can we can migrate them to a, a place that satisfies their business requirements. Are there any any places where you have to put in additional security guarantees on top of the simple authentication systems that WordPress has built in? In our platform, we definitely have additional security features that prevent many of the common drive-by WordPress attacks. So when a user authenticates to, to our platform, we cookie them in a way that our systems sort of know that that user's permissions and what they're allowed to do sort of outside of WordPress, right? So it offers that authenticated user permission to, for instance, upgrade plugins, whereas a drive-by user simply can't do that. It's not even possible to get that level of access to our, you know, the file system. Other security features we have, you know, for customers who are very security sensitive, we have a, you know, we have a product called Global Edge Security. This is a, a CDN integrated WAF that prevents all traffic from reaching our origin hosts with, without being inspected and, and validated against a set of 
of security rules that prevent malicious traffic. So lots of layers to security in our platform for sure. Tell me more about those. What are those drive-by WordPress? What are the common WordPress attacks that can occur? Yeah, so you'll hear from time to time, or you'll read maybe, you know, WordPress plugin vulnerability discovered 600,000 websites vulnerable. And a lot of times these are some kind of SQL injection or cross-site scripting thing or other kind of security vulnerability built into a plugin in the ecosystem. The exploits for those cause, you know, can be used to deface or or, or hack websites. And, and basically, they're exploitable without any, in some cases anyway, without any authentication. So you can get authenticated access without, without actually logging into the website. And so our platform actually is resilient to a lot of those kinds of attacks just because of the way our security systems are set up. How do you handle updates to WordPress? You know, the open source project gets updated all the time. Do you force those updates on your user base? We generally try to keep our platform up to date, keep sites on on our sites on a current version of WordPress. If you fall too far behind, you lack security updates and other things going forward. We don't necessarily force upgrades. We we do upgrade everyone on our platform, but we allow you to opt out of those upgrades for a period of time. We support back versions, but not indefinitely. Tell me about what happens when a website is getting like massive traffic and you have to scale up the site and do load balancing. Yes. So, so in general, when we when a customer gets um, a massive amount of traffic, depending on the way the site is built, first we will scale up sort of vertical scaling, adding just more compute resources to it. In most cases, that's sufficient. If you do have a website that has you know, a significant amount of traffic or is expecting a significant amount of traffic, we do have a, a plan that, that does have you know, replicated web heads, we call them, behind a, a cloud load balancer with a database that's a managed database. So it's a little bit different than our than our main, the architecture that supports the majority of our sites, but it does allow it to auto scale up and down and, and, and is a sort of fully managed environment that will handle that scale. There are people who use WordPress for different things. So some people just use it for basic website hosting, other people use it for e-commerce. Are there different deployment schemas that you need to issue to handle the different use cases? That's a great question. So in general, our platform is pretty good at handling a variety of use cases. Commerce is one where in particular, because it's it has sort of direct economic ties, we do have an offering that has additional capabilities, in particular around product search. That's a really big one for WooCommerce stores or WordPress you know, commerce stores. And the search inside of WordPress isn't all that great for that use case. You know, it's 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 using database search technology by default, which is sort of it's full text indexed, but it doesn't like it doesn't do fuzzy matching and other things. So 
when you have a an e-commerce store, you really want a better search experience than that to allow your visitors to find the the items that they really want to purchase. So that's what our e-commerce plan is targeted at. Most of the other use cases, in fact, all of the other use cases, we run on the same WordPress stack without much difference. I guess the one exception to that is our new product line, Atlas, which is which is a headless environment. So this is for people who want to run their front end in Node.js, perhaps a React app or, or a Vue app, something like that, and then only use WordPress as content management system with an API in front of it. So we have a, a platform that allows that kind of deployment model. And people are using that for you know media sites, corporate sites, that kind of stuff, because it does allow for a little bit better throughput and yeah, scalability, depending on how you build your site. When you talk about the the product search modifications you need to make, what's your your backing system for uh, search? Yeah, so, so we have a partnership with Elastic Press, which is a a WordPress search technology built on top of Elastic Search. So Elastic Press, Elastic Search is it can be a little confusing, but yeah, it's a WordPress layer on top of Elastic Search. Gotcha. And do you have to, if I'm running some e-commerce store with a massive product catalog, do you have to do anything complicated to to modify the, or or do you have to, do you have to expose any configuration stuff to the to the user through your own front ends, or does the just the native e-commerce system together with the integration take care of anything? Do you have to build any specific front ends for it? You don't have to. Um, you certainly can build things like faceted search to search on sizes or colors or items, but much of that is is plug and play in WooCommerce. Getting your catalog into the, the search, that's relatively straightforward. It also allows you to do things like waiting for items in your catalog. So if you know if you're trying to to feature certain items in your catalog, you can give them preference in the search results, things like that. But in general, it's pretty plug and play. How has the deployment system changed over time? I think you guys are using Kubernetes now. Tell me about how that's evolved. Yeah, that's right. We are we have begun a migration onto Kubernetes. So in the past we were very VM-centric with configuration-managed VMs. The next sort of step of the evolution of that was actually running containers directly on those VMs, sort of setting ourselves up for migrating all of the workloads into a Kubernetes environment where Kubernetes is doing the, the orchestration and the scaling and that kind of stuff. So yes, we have taken our platform from a VM architecture in into Kubernetes. And one of the things that we did during that that's maybe worth calling out is we're moving away from Apache with mod PHP as the PHP runtime. And we're moving to using PHP FPM, which is the, the fast CGI process manager for, for PHP. That gives us a little better resource utilization. In particular, that was necessary in when we moved to Kubernetes just because of trying to make better use of of our resources so that we could have more memory and other things for for scaling out 
one consequence of that, downstream consequence of that is people who are using HT access rules, which are available on our on our core platform, we're having to help them migrate to a new rules engine that we built to manage those kind of rules that happen that are sort of pre-processing before PHP takes over and, and runs your code. So that's the migration path that we're on. Can you tell me more about the internal tooling that you need to build to manage WordPress at scale? Yeah, well, I think it it starts with monitoring. So, you know, we have a, thousands of servers that are running our customers' websites. And so we've built a, a significant monitoring stack to kind of observe all the happenings, including things like error rates that are happening, performance metrics that we keep an eye on. And then in order for our you know, operations team to then address and, and manage any problems that come up. There's just a lot of custom scripts that we run. Some of them have been automated, so they automatically respond to certain alerts and take immediate automated sort of recovery actions. Some of them, as they're being developed, the first iterations of, of those kind of things are always, you know, manually executed with a with a human looking eyes on what's what's happening. So that's kind of the the scale out on the operations side. Then there's the support side of things as well. So WP Engine is known for our world-class technical support. So when you have an issue with your site and you jump in the user portal and request help, you get someone who is there to help you until your problem is resolved. And to make that happen, they have access to a wide variety of tools that give them insight into what's happening with your site, changes that have been made, all of the sort of configuration, and they can they can walk you through sort of getting getting your site back up online. So that's that's an entire area of investment that we we put a lot of pride in our tooling for our support team. And as far as programming language selection for building all those internal tools, I don't suppose you use PHP for all that. Originally, we did. So the original WP Engine platform was all PHP. And that was really a pragmatic decision when the team was so small that we needed people who could write code for WordPress, but also kind of write code for the backend systems and not have to context switch between programming languages. As we have grown and, and matured, we are continuously sort of reducing that the size of that original code base and migrating it into... Typically speaking, Python and Go are the major um, languages that we're building our, what we would call internal tooling is all built in those things today. Are there any particularly difficult distributed systems problems you've had to tackle to scale up and manage so many WordPress installations? It's funny. I don't think we've had to tackle those directly. But things like our monitoring system and other things, we're, we're leveraging other technologies that that have those problems sort of embedded in them, right? We use InfluxDB, which has, you know, replicated consensus kind of problems in it. I heard your conversation the other day with Subu from PlanetScale. That is a thing that we have looked at, you know, for a database, database infrastructure. It's not what we use today, but we are, you know, always looking for technologies like that that will help us scale out for sure are there any so you said metrics was a focus 
And I imagine there's a lot of uh, infrastructure you can build around metrics and alerting. What do you do to ensure speed and uptime? Are there any is there any specific work you do around raising the bar of performance that you would otherwise that you would get out of a you know just a naive WordPress deployment? Yeah, for sure. So we have our, our performance SLOs that that our teams are always always responsible for maintaining. And then periodically we we as a platform organization meet and decide whether or not we can sort of ratchet up that floor in terms of uptime or ratchet down the the ceiling in terms of acceptable response times and continue to drive additional performance. We have a, a whole team that's dedicated to just looking for ways to make the platform faster. And so that could be, you know, additional caching rules that increase our cache hit rate. It could be, you know, building specific versions of PHP with certain optimizations enabled. It can be looking at other things like how memcache is performing. So memcache WordPress makes use of temporarily cache objects that it would otherwise load from the database. And so we've done some optimizations there. We've done optimizations on the file system and the way that that works. Yeah, there's there's lots of things that we're sort of working on at various times to keep, like you said, kind of ratcheting performance up. And then, of course, we definitely benefit also from, from Moore's Law or whatever it's become now. But as new and, and, and improved hardware is available to us in the cloud, we're always early adopters of, of high-performance hardware in the cloud. So, How do you measure downtime for the WordPress installations? And what happens when an instance goes down? How do you respond? How do you remediate that? Yes. Yeah, so, so we measure downtime in a couple of different ways. For a good chunk of our platform, we have synthetic monitoring. So we're, we use third parties to, to monitor those sites and ensure that they're online. In addition, we have sort of internal tooling to make sure that the, not that the sites that are on, not the sites themselves are online, but all of the infrastructure that, that manages them is online. In some cases, there's sort of understood patterns of of failure that we have automatic remediations for. And in others, it, it the alerting page is a human who goes to investigate, right? And in all cases, we try to you know, get to root cause of what, what's happened and either build better alerting or better remediation tools or eliminate the failure mode altogether if we can. So we've done a lot of work in the area, in particular on our on our scale-out infrastructure, looking at how the file system performs. Distributed file systems have can get into states where, you know, either they're read-only or in some cases unmounted. And so we sort of detect those those situations and remediate them automatically. So that's an example of of the kind of automatic remediation that we put in place. Tell me more about your usage of cloud infrastructure. Are there some particular database services, infrastructure services, monitoring systems, queuing systems, any particular things you can outline? Yeah, so so in our backend systems, we use a lot of of different cloud technologies. We use 
manage databases, both from AWS and from GCP. We do use AWS's graph database as part of our backup system. So backups sort of have this graph property to them, which a, a file can exist in you know, more than one backup, but we only need to ensure that one copy is available. So we don't have to have a complete backup of at each point in time. So we use a graph database for that. We use a lot of PubSub, kind of Google Cloud PubSub to notify different systems when state changes. So if a configuration changes, perhaps through user action or otherwise, we other systems that need to respond to that are notified and you know take action either to you know maybe it's update additional configuration at a third party partner like a we need to change a DNS record or something or we need to change a, a configuration setting in a CDN something like that there's we use kind of a pub sub approach to to that in many cases now those are services that are orchestrated in in Kubernetes so we we've really kind of gone all in now on Kubernetes especially on our backend systems. Um, we have a internally managed software delivery platform. So it's got sort of all of the tooling that a team needs to get up and running quickly on Kubernetes, configure all of the service identities and API ingress and any sort of queuing that you need to do that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's those are the major things that we use, I guess, from the from the cloud technologies. Oh, and I, I, sh- I should say, we also use a significant amount of BigQuery at Google for logging events across our platform and using that in our monitoring systems. Tell me about the operations teams and how you ensure uptime and what you do for on-call rotations. Yeah, so, so we have an operations team that is staffed to be a 24 by seven team. So there's always engineers available from the operations team to remediate issues on on the core hosting platform. For some of the management services or other ancillary services, the engineering teams themselves, the engineering teams that have developed them are responsible. And so they each of those engineering teams manages their own on-call rotation for those things. Oftentimes there's a sort of primary runbook for the operations team. Like, hey, if, if if this service is alerting, here's step one and two to go through um, to try to get things back online. And, it, and if not, then escalate to the on-call for that service. And we manage all of that on-call rotation then in, uh, we use PagerDuty for that. So all of our teams are in there and rules are configured to, you know, if alerts are not responded to, escalation happens to a secondary on-call and then ultimately to the the manager of the team and and they will <laughs> they will go and wake somebody up if if need be. But typically that doesn't happen. Our our on-call folks are on the ball. They're very responsible in terms of managing their alerts. So what do you spend your time building since you have the the core WordPress product pretty dialed in what do you build on top of that yes so i think there's there's a lot of things that customers want more and more access to some examples of things that that we're working on are customer visible monitoring and alerting 
developer tools for building on WordPress, including things like our Genesis, which is our theme framework, Local, which is a tool for developers to to get WordPress running locally and then deploy into our environment. I think we're always looking at the user experience, the end user experience of how do they interact with our platform? How can we make them more successful faster? That's been a huge focus in the last year, trying to get make sure that people who sign up for our platform, you know, many of them are coming to it cold and need more help in in getting things live. And so just continuing to refine that that user journey of get your site online, be able to understand what's going on with it, situational awareness, that kind of stuff. I mean, we have a lot of teams working on a lot of things, so it's it's hard to enumerate them all, but you know, there's there's always a call for kind of new features or functions that are sort of adjacent to the core WordPress hosting product. And on the infrastructure side, is there anything you're doing around platform engineering right now that would be interesting to discuss? Maybe around uh, instrumentation or, I don't know, service mesh or policy management or anything like that? Yes. So a couple things in this area. I would say an ongoing effort is this this migration into Kubernetes and making sure that more and more of our hosting platform can make it there. And a lot of that is comes down to sort of customer, well, at this point we're we're in the middle of migrations, but adding sort of additional capabilities that exist in our the prior iteration of our platform to make it possible for those customers who use those features to migrate onto the new platform because not everything is there yet. I would say, yeah, other things that are going on, there's definitely a focus on core web vitals metrics as a a driver for for both internal and customer facing performance monitoring. So rather than you know relatively straightforward server time metrics, we're we're, we're building a system for monitoring that from the end user perspective. And so that's, you know, additional telemetry, it's additional you know, data stores to make that happen. So big time series databases and lots of user experience work to make that um, something that customers can can use and, and get insights from. Well, is there anything else you'd like to highlight on the WordPress platform that you built or WP Engine uh, or on the infrastructure side or on the analytics side? Any other points that come to mind for that would be interesting to discuss on the engineering side? You know, one of the things that that I think is interesting and and unique about a platform like ours is, you know, it, it sort of goes to this question of what cloud services do you use? A lot of the cloud services that are out there, kind of out of the box, are designed to scale out one application or a small number of applications to, you know, massive global reach. And a platform like ours has, rather than, you know, one application that we need to have thousands or hundreds of thousands of replicas of, you know, we have 1.5 million unique unique websites that we're trying to keep online. And so a lot of the services that you get kind of out of the box for, from cloud providers don't scale in that along that axis, right? They scale along a a replication axis, not a unique instances kind of scale out. Those are the kind of problems that 
you know, we're always working on because the the cloud service tooling just isn't there for those. So that can be managing load balancers or DNS records or, you know, ingress rules. The, those kind of things typically are not scaled in the clouds the way we need them to be. I guess my last question would be, when you look at these other CMS platforms, modern CMS platforms, how do you think WordPress stacks up against them in terms of engineering and flexibility? And why hasn't WordPress been unseated? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, WordPress, not only has it not been unseated, it continues to take market share from from other other CMS systems. Clearly, there's a lot of upstarts who are focusing on sort of point problems for specific types of sites or, or specific sets of engineers. But the WordPress ecosystem has been around so long that there are so many of the problems or challenges that you run into or even new ideas as they come into existence for like new web technologies or or whatever the community is so large that it responds really relatively quickly by creating plugins for you know this or that feature or integrating with you know this new saas platform that came online that's that's relevant the plugin architecture in wordpress is really flexible and and because of that it's not just the core developers who who sort of bear that responsibility for building the entire ecosystem. It is a platform on which developers of all stripes can build websites, but also build integrations and plugins, businesses that are not strictly their websites, right? So that is the thing that, that really makes WordPress shine, the community, um, the size of the community, the engagement, and ultimately is it, it creates a really robust ecosystem, a robust platform. Cool. Well, it's been a real pleasure talking to you and thank you so much for coming on the show, Brandon. Thank you. I really uh, enjoyed the conversation and I uh, look forward to continuing to listen to your podcast. All right. Thank you. Thanks for being a listener.